0: Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I hate it when people tell me I was born with a silver spoon in my mouth, especially when they don't know how awful my parents were to me. My name is Coda, and from the very start of my life, they made it their mission to make me feel like my birth didn't matter. I never had a birthday, never celebrated one, because they never told me when I was born, and how old I was. The one thing they did for me was giving me a king's education. I had the best tutors in the world, the most private education. I had teachers and professors give me private classes in my own home. I was isolated from the world, but I also became a genius. But even though my mind was sharp as a needle, I gravitated towards the arts. I was a creative at heart, and the one thing I loved doing the most was singing. By age six, I was already singing classical pieces that even grown adults found intimidating to perform, and I did it all in the privacy of our attic. My most profound talent became my biggest secret, because if my parents found out, I knew they would do all they could to stop me from singing. I used my intelligence to study music on my own, and whenever my parents would go on holidays, I would sneak music teachers into our house, and I would have them teach me everything they knew. The best voice coaches in the world came to teach me in secret. I was always alone. Not going to regular schools like everybody else made me lonely. I didn't have the chance to meet friends. And that sadness, I channeled it all into music. One day, while I was doing my vocal warm-ups, my mom heard me. She dragged me to my dad without a word. and Then, she told on me. Your son... has been singing! Singing? What are you, some commoner? We hire people for entertainment, boy. We're not the ones who stop so low as to be the entertainment. You will stop this nonsense now, or you'll be cut off of the will. I suggest you focus your efforts on becoming the best businessman you can be. After all, you will have to run the company when we retire. I had no choice. No one to turn to. I grew up shy and socially awkward, and I was weak. I did everything my parents told me to because I never had the guts to fight back. I stopped singing for a while, but when I was really down, I would still do it. It was the only thing that cheered me up. It was on the day that our mansion was being renovated that I met her. The noise from the workers was so loud that I decided to put my earbuds on to drown them out. But without noticing, I had started singing along at the top of my lungs. Suddenly, my mom slapped me. Shut that mouth of yours! Can't you hear we have company? Butler, get the door! And when the doors opened, I saw the most beautiful girl I had ever seen. She flipped her hair and said hello to my parents. I'm so sorry. I was walking my dog down the street when I heard the most beautiful voice coming from your house. May I ask who was singing? No one! No one here sings! How dare you accuse us of doing such disgusting things! Oh, uh, it's just... I'm also a singer, and... uh, Perhaps it was your son. Nonsense! Butler, get this trespasser off my property! I was 16 when I finally found out my real birthday. I bribed one of the doctors who was working in the hospital I was born at, so I wanted to throw a party and I wanted to celebrate it by sharing the songs I wrote to the world. I was ready to show the world who I really was. But then, my parents shut down my plans, saying I was not worthy of celebrating my own birthday. They told me that only when I ascended through our company and became worthy of being CEO will I be able to do whatever I wanted for my special day. I was so depressed I ran out of the house and got lost in the maze in the garden. It was then that I heard a beautiful voice like a mermaid's. And like a sailor lost at sea, I followed the siren's call, until I emerged from the maze and saw her on the other side of our walls, singing as she played her guitar. Hey, I was waiting for you. You, You're that girl? From before? Yeah, and I've come back for you. Your parents stifle your true talent. You should come with me. She climbed up the wall and offered me her hand to take. And I was in love at first sight. She was offering me freedom. And I took it. I ran away with Ari after she learned what a bad life I had. She hid me in a recording company's studio so that my parents wouldn't be able to find me. That was when I found out that Ari was a rich recording artist. Ari fed me, clothed me, hid me, and hired bodyguards for me felt really safe going out after that knowing that my parents could never take me back by force i worked at the studios writing and recording late at night when nobody was there i wrote lots of amazing songs and after 6 months of living there i was able to complete an entire album that i knew would be a hit only one day i woke up and all my work was gone i panicked i ran around the whole place and then while i was rummaging around the trash in case someone had thrown my stuff away I heard something coming from the music producers. It was my song. And Ari and her producer were laughing and toasting something. You... You stole my songs! (laughs) What did you think? You were just gonna live on my dime for free? It's just business, kid. Just how the industry works. Luckily, your voice sounds a bit like a girl's and close enough to Ari's, so we can sell all your work as if she's the one who wrote and sang them. I... I'll get you for this. Not before I get my money's worth first. Ari and her producer locked me up in one of the studios, and they locked me in there with four bodyguards. I was in there for three days, and I didn't know what to do. Until I got a brilliant idea. I pretended to see my parents outside. I acted my heart out. Help! You have to stop them, or they'll try to steal me! And the bodyguards believed me. They ran out of the room to chase after what they thought were my parents. What they didn't know was that because I spent all my time in the studios, I knew exactly what the layout of the building was. It took no more than two seconds to get up onto the vents. I crawled quietly, and then, as I heard the commotion of them looking for me, I dropped out of the alleyway. I ran away for the second time in my life, but this time, I didn't feel free. I just felt like a massive loser for letting the girl I loved steal my life's work. I lived in the streets for weeks. My only comfort was my new friend, Sam. She was homeless too, and she helped me a lot. I didn't know how to survive, so i bussed bust in the sidewalks, the parks, and the train subway stations. My talent was finally working for me. I earned a bunch of money. I saved it all up, thinking I could maybe get enough to be able to rent a small room until I got back on my feet. But one morning, as I woke up in the park bench that Sam and I slept on, I saw that everything I owned had been stolen. Even Sam's stuff was gone too. I was left with nothing but the jacket I had on. I was so mad that I got stolen from again, and it reminded me of Ari, that I threw the jacket she bought me on the day she helped me escape my parents' house. But as I fell to the ground, I noticed a piece of paper sticking out from the secret pocket. I opened it up and saw that it was an old song I wrote. It was the birthday song I wrote when I was depressed on my 16th birthday. It was the last remaining song that Ari wasn't able to steal. I was about to cry. Instead, I stood up and stood on a small stage. I sang that song with all my heart, even when tears began flowing down my cheeks. For the first time in a very long time, I put all my emotions into my music. Then one person came to watch. Then two. And then suddenly, there was a crowd around me. People were taking videos. Many of them were crying, too. I got so many tips that day. But more than that, I felt so happy that my music was able to reach people. My song about my life touched people's emotions. I was so proud. The next morning, I was woken by a guy in a suit. He was a reporter, and behind him were ten more reporters from all the different networks. I had gone viral. I was on TikTok. YouTube, every single social media was blowing up with my singing. I gave interviews, and in them, I told everyone of my story, and how Artie stole my songs. Her career and the producer's career was over after that. I got signed by a pretty big recording company. I went on tour, and then I married Sam. I rescued her from the streets and took her wherever my tours took me. One day, during my anniversary concert, I saw my parents in the crowd far away. It was my birthday, and people were singing happy birthday for me. My parents hated that. I could see it in their faces. But having that happen while they were in the crowd was so satisfying, because they always made me feel like my birth never mattered. But now, thousands of people were celebrating my existence. I thanked my fans. I kissed my wife. And then, I jumped into the crowd as I smiled in triumph.
1: Do you believe in fate? Well. I never did. I'm a 21-year-old college student studying finance and banking. So yeah, numbers are my forte, therefore I'm a logical thinker. Horoscopes and chance meetings? As if. But then I met someone who changed it all. I'm Kai, by the way, and let me tell you my story. It all started one evening while studying. I got a serious craving for some Cheetos, so I went out to get some. That's when I saw a petite girl shouting at two huge guys in the park. Hey Bigfoot, did you really just litter? Pick it up now or I'll give you a good going over. Oh man, did this girl have a death wish? And was she drunk? The two guys didn't look happy. They approached her and one of them even raised his hand up like he was going to hit her. But she quickly pushed his hand away, which only made him mad Man, I didn't want to get involved in this. So I pretended I hadn't seen them and walked off. But then I was just a few steps away, I heard one of the guys scream. And the other guy said, what the gross? I could have just carried on walking, but nope, my curiosity got the better of me. So I turned around and saw that one guy was covered in vomit. Then the girl pointed at me and said, honey, there you are. Then she fainted. Huh? I didn't know her. I was staring at them, looking perplexed. When one of the dudes yelled, why are you still standing there? Quickly take your crazy girlfriend home if you don't want to taste my fist. I was so scared, I hurried over and carried this girl off. I had no idea who she was or where she lived. Um, this was crazy. I placed her down on a nearby bench and looked around for those guys, but luckily they'd gone. I didn't know what to do, so I left her there and walked off. But then I started to feel bad. Was I too heartless? What if something else happened to her? So I went back and gave the girl a piggyback ride back to my house. Jeez, she was so much heavier than she looked. As soon as I dropped her onto the couch, her phone rang, so I answered it. Hello? Then the person on the other end of the line asked, Who are you? Where's my friend? I muttered out my address and was about to tell her to come pick up her friend, but she already hung up. Why was she so rude? I'd almost bust my back carrying her friend to safety. How annoying. This night has been far too dramatic for me, and worse still, I didn't have any Cheetos. I decided to take a shower, then get some sleep. But as soon as I stepped out of the bathroom, the doorbell rang. I presumed it must be the girl's friend, so I answered the door. Then two cops immediately pushed me against the wall and handcuffed me. Before I could fathom what was happening, one of them said kidnap and assault accusations had been made against me, and I was escorted to the station. What? I tried to explain what happened, but they wouldn't listen to me. That night, as I sat in the cold, uninviting cell, I found myself regretting my kindness. I didn't sleep a wink. I just hoped the next morning came quickly, so that I could confront that girl about this false accusation. But before I could do that, the cops released me at dawn. The girl had sobered up and told them it was all just a misunderstanding. Well, luckily, she still remembered a bit or else I didn't dare to imagine it anymore. I swore I would never get involved with anyone in need ever again. No good deed goes unpunished. For real. A few days later, when I was watching TV, someone knocked on my door. And you wouldn't believe it. It's the drunk girl. I looked at her suspiciously. What are you doing here? The girl didn't say anything. Instead, she coldly slipped past me and entered my house. Huh? What was she playing at? Then she glared at me and asked me about that night. After I told her everything that happened, she laughed. Okay, I believe you. If I didn't, you'd know about it. She held her fist in front of me. I startled and almost fell off my chair. Then she chuckled. Now I'm hungry. Go make your guests some food. What was with this girl? She was so direct and bold. I glanced at her and said no, but she continued. "'If you don't, I'll go to the cops and change my statement.' Then she got up to leave, so I quickly said, "'Okay, okay, fine.' Then reluctantly searched my cupboards for food. "'Ah, trusted spaghetti, how you never fail me.' So I prepared Balinese for us. While she was eating, she said, "'I'm Nora, by the way, "'the best screenplay writer major in the country.' She winked. She thanked me for the food, then left. "'Phew, that'd be it now, surely.' "'Nope, turns out this was just the beginning.' The next morning she texted me, come pick me up for college ASAP, else I'm calling the cops. Was she being serious? Then she sent me another message with her address and told me to hurry up. I rushed over there and she got into my car, glared at me and said, you're late. And that's how I somehow became this Nora girl's servant. Her calls and messages could come at any time. And she would always force me to do things for her straight away. One time I was soaking in the bath when she texted and demanded I bring her some chocolate. Another time she called me at 2 a.m. and told me she was bored, so I had to come over and play some video games with her. I also became her unpaid Uber driver. Every day, from home to school and back. And it's inevitable that I overslept once, so Nora bombarded my phone with tons of texts and calls. I groggily answered, and she used her calling the cops thread again to force me to get there in 15 minutes. What a pain in the neck. Another time, I just stepped out of the house to go and hang out with my friends when Nora showed up and insisted that I had to take her to the cinema. She wouldn't take no for an answer, so I had to cancel on my friends and go watch some bland movie with her. Such a troublesome girl, right? I started to find Nora less annoying, and instead, found myself smiling when she texted me or called. On the days when she didn't bother me, well, my mood seemed to dampen. Was I crazy? I mean, she was cute, very spontaneous, and, well, there was no one else quite like her. But then, all of a sudden, the messages and calls stopped. Did she not want me around anymore? I miss Nora. Many times, I had to stop myself from calling her. I should be happy I was out of Nora's control, right? Then one day out of the blue, my phone beeped. It was Nora. Come to the Starbucks on Vincent Street. Move it. You have five minutes. Jeez, that bossy tone again. Still, I immediately drove to the address. When I got there, I saw Nora with a guy and a girl. I walked over to them and just sat down. Nora held my arm. Honey, why are you so late? I stared at her in surprise. She smiled and turned to the other two. This is Kai, my boyfriend. What? Did I get it wrong? Did she just say I was her boyfriend? Then she said, Kai, this is my former bestie Kim and her boyfriend Greg, who's also my ex. Awkward, right? But I have you now so we can all be friends. Reading the situation, I realized I had to go along with it. So I stroked her hair and said, Yes, my honey muffin, anything you want. My cheesy lines seemed to work as they both looked annoyed then left. So I turned to look at Nora and stammered. Did you just say I'm your boyfriend? Nora said nonchalantly, yeah, isn't that okay? If you don't like it, forget it. Then she was about to leave. I pulled her hand and said, yes, of course, sounds great. So that's how we became an official couple. We went on a few dates and she was her usual demanding self. Not that I'd want her any other way. Then one time after a month of dating, Nora dragged me to a swan lake in a nearby park. She looked at me for a long time and then said, Kai, I'm studying abroad for a year. I leave tomorrow. I glared at her in surprise and asked why she hadn't told me sooner. She continued, I guess I didn't want to make you sad, and I don't know if your feelings are big enough, so write down your feelings for me and give them to me tomorrow. That night, I carefully wrote down all my thoughts and feelings for her. I still had hope that this one year of long-distance love would be over quickly. The next day, I drove her to the airport and handed her my letter. To my surprise, Nora also gave me a letter and told me over and over that I could only read it when I got home. Of course, I obeyed her, then read it as soon as I passed my door, and whoa, I wasn't expecting this. In it, Nora confessed all this time she was just using me to get revenge on her ex and took advantage of me to get over him. That night we had first met, she found out about him and Kim, but now she regretted how she treated me. At the end of the letter, she wrote, If fate wants us to be together, then we'll meet again one day. What? I was so shocked, so I called to tell her she didn't need to feel guilty and that I forgave her. I kept calling, but it didn't work. I also asked her friends, but no one knew how to reach her. She disappeared from all social media, and just like that, she vanished from my life. I missed Nora so much and found myself hoping that fate would reunite me with her someday. Then one time while I was surfing YouTube, this web drama called My Destiny Is Yours caught my eyes. Curious, I decided to check it out. And I watched Wide-Eyed as my story with Nora played out in front of me through each episode. This definitely was written by Nora. But how would she end it? It stopped at the part where the girl left and cut off all contact with the guy. An announcement popped up on the screen. The finale was launching at 9pm tonight. I anxiously watched the seconds tick by. During the last episode, the two characters met up at a swan lake. I had a hunch, so without a second delay, I immediately ran to the swan lake in the nearby park. My heart flipped when I saw a girl standing there. It was Nora. Man, I ran so fast and hugged her. She hugged me back, then said, I was a little nervous you wouldn't see the movie, then she smirked, but it doesn't matter anyway. I could have just texted you, come to the Swan Lake now, and you would have come, right? Then we both burst out laughing and continued to hug each other. Well, you see, fate brought me and Nora together, and this logic-loving skeptic is now a big believer in destiny. How about you? Have you found your destiny yet? My name's Sam. I met Elise in middle
0: school. She was our neighbor and I'd always had a crush on her. I just never got the courage up to say hi. That day, a group of boys were picking on me, and Elise swooped in to save the day. One moment, they had me by my collar, and the next, they were crying on the floor, snot dripping down their noses. Elise was my hero. She got told off by our principal, and they had her parents come in. I could tell they were very mad at her, but that was the beginning of our friendship. Elisa and I spent every day together, and then, one day, I asked her to be my girlfriend. She said yes. It was the happiest day in my life. But I didn't realize someone else liked her. It was one of the boys who was tormenting me, and in his jealousy, he told everyone he saw us kissing. That made Elise's parents very mad. So mad that they had a fight with my parents. They ended up moving and I never even got to say goodbye to my childhood sweetheart. One day, she was there. The next, her whole house was empty. Many years passed and I forgot about her. I poured my soul into my work until I struck gold. Pretty much literally. I was working on my grandpa's farm when I noticed some gold nuggets in the river. I followed it all the way to a hidden cave and saw that the cave wall had collapsed and the ground had cracked, exposing the gold there. A spring of water was gushing out, creating a stream that carried the loose gold all the way down the river. I became a billionaire overnight. My family enjoyed life like we never did before. We bought all the surrounding land around the farm and built a mansion. I built a mining company, and I bought cars, a boat, and my own jet. Three years later, my best friend came home from a job abroad with someone in tow. It was Elise. She had grown even more beautiful than before. We were so happy to see each other, we hugged immediately. I was coming home to meet you, and guess who I bumped into on the plane? I never even suspected something was off. Elise and I began dating again. We did everything together. I promised her the world, and before long, we were engaged. Jay started working for my company. I was so thankful to him, I made him my right-hand man. I couldn't thank him enough for reuniting me and Elise. Two months later, I proposed to Elise, and she said yes. I was going to marry her in Switzerland. I booked an entire ski resort for our guests, and I wasted no time. We flew on my private jet with my best man Jay and our closest friends. In the middle of the flight, Elise excused herself. She said she needed to do her makeup. Five minutes later, Jay 2 stood up. I found that weird, but I ignored it. When twenty minutes had passed and Elise hadn't gone back yet, I asked our flight attendant to check on her. She smiled at me, and she blushed. I always found it so cute how she had a crush on me. Nicole went behind the curtain to check on Elise. She was about to knock on the bathroom door when she yelped in surprise. Elise wasn't in the bathroom at all. She was hiding right next to the fridges, talking with Jay. Oh... I'm sorry to disturb you. I'll get out of your way. We heard a click, and two voices came on the speakers. You know I've never loved anyone but you. I'm just, you know, securing our future. Once I marry Sam, we'll be set for life. I'll run away with his money and his jewels, and then we can disappear to any country you want. You promise? I promise, baby. I'm only marrying him for a show. I'll trick him into signing divorce papers as soon as I've got everything I can get from him. I believe you. Oh, I can't wait. And when you're free of him, I can finally make my move to take over his company, too. I have people who are loyal to me now. Alright, I'll come knock at your door tonight, when he's asleep. We can go on a date under the moonlight, so no one will know. I'll be expecting you. Oh, and act like we had an argument when you go out. I'll follow after a minute, so it's not too obvious. But nothing was secret about their conversation at all. The flight attendant overheard what they were talking about, and she decided she wasn't just going to smile and pretend like nothing was happening. So, she politely excused herself and very cunningly left the intercom on. I heard everything she was saying. The whole plane did. The air suddenly felt tense. Where before, my friends and I were laughing and having fun. The moment Jay appeared from behind those curtains, everyone was silent. My friends all glared at him. And when Elise appeared behind him, she knew immediately something was wrong. But she tried to play it cool. Oh! Jay, I didn't even see you there. Why are you standing in the middle of the aisle? And. Why is everyone staring? I pushed the button on my seat, and the flight attendant came to me. I smiled at her. You can come sit here, Nicole. The flight attendant looked surprised at first, but she eventually sat beside me. She was even more beautiful up close, and her blonde hair smelled like lavender. Could you confirm, please, Nicole, that these were the two having that conversation we just heard? Nicole nodded. Conversation? What conversation? What are you talking about? There's no need to pretend. We heard you. We all heard you. Elise's face changed from being innocent to angry. Okay, so what? Did you honestly think I'd ever fall for you? Look at you. Now look at me. You're nothing compared to me. All you're good for is money. I've been with your best friend ever since before we reunited. In fact, he was the one who told me you were rich now. It's not like you can do anything about it. You are going to fall, and you're going to fall hard. I'm just here to take what I can get before you're a homeless beggar in the streets. I just smiled. I gestured to Nicole to help me with something. Nicole, love... Would you be so kind as to fetch Elise her, uh, I mouthed the word parachute. Nicole was confused, but she nodded anyway and disappeared behind the curtain. Get me a what? I don't need anything. Honestly, just get over it already. You're toast. Elise tried to sit next to me, but I pushed her away, to the other end of the seats. What? You can't seriously be mad at me. You should be thanking me. It's a privilege you get to marry me. I laughed. There won't be a wedding, Elise. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, please. You're joking, right? You're gonna dump me? Me? Oh, I'm not just dumping you. I'm throwing you out of the plane. Fuel is very expensive, you see. And I just can't stand to have you waste any more of my time and money. So, I'm afraid this is your stop. Nicole appeared with the parachute. Jay looked scared. I looked at him and told him to put the chute on his girlfriend. He didn't want to, but I told him that if he wanted to keep his job and reputation, he should do everything I said. Just like that, Jay turned on Elise. He strapped the parachute on her as if his life depended on it. Elise resisted. But what could she do? No one in that plane wanted her there anymore. "'You're gonna regret this! Nobody's ever gonna want to date you! You think any girl would want you? Just you, wait! You'll come crawling back to me!' "'I don't think so.' I took Nicole's hand and asked her if I could kiss her. Suddenly, her eyes lit up, and she said yes. I kissed her right in front of Elise's shocked face. "'Wait! No, wait!' I changed my mind. I I, I do want to marry you. No, no, don't make me get off the plane. We can start over. No, please, don't leave me here. I don't have any money. I won't be able to get home. We're in the middle of nowhere, Sam. Sorry, you've got to go now. No, don't! And as Elise floated away, I called out to her. Who's falling now, Elise? Everyone laughed, and Nicole finally did as well. I knew the moment she started working on that jet that she had a thing for me. I just never really thought of it because I thought I was in love and happily engaged. But now? Now I get to date a much more beautiful girl than that gold digger. She was hardworking, ambitious, and smart too. The wedding still went through. It was just postponed a few days. Not to Elise, obviously. I married Nicole. None of our guests complained. At least, they gotta stay three days longer in that ski resort. It took a while to get Nicole's parents and friends flown over since the decision was so spontaneous. But as soon as they did, I asked for their blessing, and Nicole and I got married in the Swiss Alps. After, we spent an entire month traveling Europe. We went to Rome, then Croatia, then Norway. And honestly, I couldn't have wished for a better wife. Nicole was everything I knew she was going to be. She was caring and sweet, and she always made me laugh. The best part of the trip was when we saw a newspaper with Elise's face plastered all over it. Her hair was all sorts of a mess and had leaves and twigs all over. The headlines said that she was a lost tourist who became a meme for telling the most ridiculous story when they found her. The funniest part was that she had stupidly opened her parachute way too early, and the wind carried her hundreds of miles from where we dropped her. She ended up stuck in a tree in a forest in Liechtenstein. The people there thought she was some sort of Russian spy and refused to help her. Nobody wanted to help her get home, and they didn't want to give her a job. Now she's living under a bridge like the troll that she is.